Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Laura, and having a breakthrough gets me wound up, excited. We're talking the dancing in the kitchen, giving crazy high fives, passion tears rolling down my cheeks level of excited. I'm that crazy person. I'm Jen, and I avoid all conflict except the conflict I intentionally create. Then I revel in it. We've spent the last few weeks talking about containing messes and tearing down walls. It has been messy. Today, we turn to the breakthrough. That moment when your trajectory changes, you move from reacting to controlling, from losing ground and containment to positive movement forward. Breakthroughs are amazing. And they require a different kind of leadership flex. Let's break on through to the other side. All right, Laura, well, I don't know about you, but I am pretty much tired of the mess. Are you tired of the mess? Exhausted of the mess. So much mess, but all the more reason that we've been having this conversation for a few weeks of messes happen, we got to deal with them, whether it's management, personnel, whatever it is. So we've hit some high points. We talked about getting started. And then last week, we talked about dealing with the walls that pop up in the middle of the mess, you're in the cleanup, and then you hit a roadblock. Laura, really quickly for us, recap, what do we do with the walls? So those walls are standing there. They make it feel like we cannot make forward progress on fighting back this mess. Um, And I think there's a couple things. First, we talked about standing on your head. Please do not do this at home, literally, because it is dangerous for nine out of 10 of us to try to do something like that. But what do we mean? Change your perspective, whether that means literally changing where you are sitting and thinking and working, or it means using a different problem solving technique, or it means bringing in a different group of people to mix it up, change the perspective that's engaged. So that's step number one for getting after that wall. Option or step number two for getting after the wall, pause. Quite literally walk away from the situation. But before you walk away, or hit that pause button, agree when you're going to return and under what conditions. You do not want this to be an indefinite pause. You don't want anybody to think you're walking away, never to return, or that you're giving up. This is about pausing so you can take the deep breath. This is not about throwing in the towel. So we're standing on our head, we're pausing, and next is the hard one. Hmm. Check your ego. The final thing we talked about with tearing down that wall is to recognize how your ego or your pride could be impacting the ability to get through the situation. Put that in check and find a way past it. It might mean that you bring in experts and it takes a lot of humility to bring in different experts and admit you don't have all the answers. It might mean that you 
engage someone else to facilitate. It might mean that you recognize yourself as part of the problem and you completely remove yourself from the room, whatever the case may be. Number three, check that ego. If you do one or a combination of those three things, Jen and I submit for your consideration, the wall will start to crumble. (laughs) It's really true. And I, without going into specifics, will tell you that we had that conversation last week and then I ran right into a wall this week and right into the ego trap of I had a way I wanted to fix it and it took the conversation working through to the point where I realized that my immediate fix had everything to do with my ego versus fixing and cleaning up the actual problem. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I just want to be first and foremost to say this is relevant to everything we're dealing with every single day. So You're dealing with the mess. You're working through the walls. And sometimes it's not through the walls. It's around the walls, under the walls, over the walls, somehow getting past the wall. And now you're ready to go to the breakthrough from mess to success. And we all heard how Laura loves the breakthrough, the dance, the tears, the excitement. And getting to that breakthrough, though, typically happens right after the tension reaches its highest point. Hence the reason I talked about the conflict I revel in versus that which I avoid. To get to the breakthrough, you have to go through the conflict. And so Laura and I want to give you the next three things on your checklist of going from this mess to through to the other side. Um, We've given you the three for, for getting started and containing the three for handling the walls. And now we've got your next three of getting through to breakthrough. And Laura, the first one is throw the grenade, throw the grenade. Okay. With the pin, with the pin in or out of the grenade, you gotta pull the pin and you gotta throw it into the middle. You can even tell that I am saying that with a level of excitement, and it's because this is an area that I will tell you I have grown as a leader, and now I find even some joy. And what I mean by this is, as a leader. If you are leading any kind of organization, project, or whatever, as a leader, sometimes it is your role to raise the tension level. Because if you're going to get to the breakthrough, you have to allow that to creep up to its height. And sometimes that strategically even means throwing in the grenade, throwing in the big wrench into the middle of a conversation of people who are already at a heightened place because you have to know when it's the right moment to say, if we push the conversation now, the breakthrough's possible. And so this is one of those things, though, that this is, oh, what's the right word, Laura? This is a, this is a tricky thing because what isn't good leadership is to just lob grenades all the time for the joy of watching things explode, right? Like This is a be, finesse game. This is finesse, right? You have to know the moment. When is the moment that you're not there yet? And when is the moment that you need to raise the temperature? 
I would say not only is this finesse, this is something where experience is helpful, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we like to approach leadership um, as something that you can learn. And there absolutely are things to be learned and skills to be developed. But the key to development is that it's not instantaneous, right? Development is just that. It's a process. So here's an example of something as a leader, as a facilitator, however you like to refer to yourself, learning how to adjust the tension knob, it's an art. It requires finesse. So first, I'm going to tell y'all, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes. Jen gets it wrong sometimes. My husband gets it wrong all the time. Just kidding. (laughs) That was a joke. I was relieving the tension. We all know I'm the tension reliever. Jen, as I was listening to you talking about turning up the tension, I felt like my chair was getting physically hot. And no, I'm not sitting in the car with my seat warmer on. I I could feel the heat. And then I found myself thinking, oh my gosh, Jen and I are such an interesting little study. So I've totally gone in a rabbit hole here that she likes to turn up the tension. And we all know that I have this very, very acute need to release tension at all times. (laughs) So we are a fun, we are a fun little pair, might I just say. I'm like, put the, put the pin back in the grenade, yank it out, Laura. So, but I think right there is the right example, right? Not everybody's comfortable with this. We've all done it different ways, but it does have to be done sometimes. And doing that can come out a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's asking the question that nobody's wanted to ask yet. Mm -hmm. And often that question is only one word, why? We've Mm -hmm. talked in previous episodes about problem solving, about the whole concept of being asking why and making sure you're driving down to root cause, right? Sometimes this concept of throwing the grenade is being willing to keep asking questions. So, you know, in continuous improvement, you refer to it as the five why exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Why, why, why? At some point that why is going to pull the pin out of the grenade to keep the you know, to keep the analogy flying, there's a reality that at some point you're going to ask the question that's going to make the room maybe literally erupt when everybody realizes what you just got to. And part of your job is to not let that become personal or a distraction, but to know what to do with it once you've thrown that grenade and how to help everybody handle the consequence. Exactly. Because I think, you know, again, I think one of the ways that you do raise the temperature or throw that grenade is you ask that question why. It's also those moments where you're confronting the assumption that no one really wants to name that's underlying. So, you know, you're either confronting the assumption or you're confronting the fear that hasn't been named yet. And once you put it out there and once you make it plain and obvious and everyone has to deal with the big, ugly green thing in the middle of the table you're you're opening that up but it only works if you've built a team and a culture that embraces those moments because this is the quickest way to just fully blow up an unhealthy team and I actually I would go so far as to say I think this is a skill that I learned and the reason I embrace it so much is I actually learned this by being mentored in an unhealthy environment of this. Um, I spent my early years in ministry as part of a team that I think very much avoided all of the underlying assumptions, the fears, and the moments of conflict. And it kept us stuck in a lot of ways. It meant that we just kept adding things instead of fixing anything. And I, I really learned from that and then had to hone that skill of, okay, I want to work and cultivate an environment where it is good and safe and productive to raise the tension, to create conflict, to disagree, 
because the team all has a shared goal. And, and if we can keep that at the forefront, then we make it a good space to do that. And that is why you do hear the joy in my voice and Laura feels the tension of diffusion when I'm going, no, let's throw the grenade. And I already warned my team walking into this year, knowing that this year is going to be a year of um, some restarts, you know, as the year shifts and more people are vaccinated and all that kind of stuff and, and the world goes back into some things. And I warned them going in, I'm going to be throwing a lot of grenades the first six months of this year because everything has been adapt, adapt, adapt. But but before we just restart some things, watch for it. I'm going to blow it all up. And so by giving that ahead of time, I'm also making it a safe space to go, it's going to be okay. We're capable of these really difficult conversations. I'm so excited to manage our social media content um, when this episode <laughs> launches. I suspect multiple direct messages from folks offering you therapy opportunities. Hey, all I'm saying is I, I actually love the fact that I get to work with a team that can really have like solid, healthy disagreements. <laughs> I listen and I'm giving you a hard time. The point is very well taken here. And I think you're absolutely right. You have to be willing to let tension into the room to even build that tension up productively, throw the grenade, insert whatever slightly violent metaphor we are using here into the sentence. You have to be willing to let those things happen to break through. If you're just going to tiptoe around everything, messes are not going to get cleaned up. Walls are not going to get broken down. So I love it. And I think that also takes us into the next item. So number two on our list of three is trusting the process. And part of working through a mess and part of managing your grenades carefully is knowing that these problem solving activities and this process of managing a mess is just that. It's a process. And if you handle it well, you can trust that things will get to resolution. You don't need to rush there. It's going to come at you. You need to trust that your people can handle these disagreements like you were talking about a minute ago. And I'm also going to sound like I'm flip-flopping like a politician here and say, as much as I just said, this is a learned skill, you also need to trust that you're capable and you have this skill and you can walk into the room and do what needs to be done. All of these things and this element of trust are critical to get to your breakthrough because if you force the issue or avoid the issue, you're not going to get there. You got to stay on the path and trust that the path will guide you. And it's just, again, trusting the process that we're, that we're laying out this map that says the walls and the tension, they're all part of it. So don't be shocked and don't try to take them away right away. Like learn to expect them. And then when you can see the roadmap and remember that on the other side of the wall and on the other side of the highest point of tension is the breakthrough. And so don't back away from it right at that moment where if you embrace it, you trust the process, you trust that that's what it takes to get there, you're much more willing to let it play out. I like that very, very much. And I think it's so important for everybody to to just kind of lean into and understand that, that that's okay. Let the trust be there. Okay, Jen, so we've thrown the grenade. We've said it much more simply and clearly, but we're trusting the process. I think the next thing here is the element of making sure that you are closing loops and bringing some closure in this process so that as you tear down the wall, you don't leave, I'm going to, I'm going to really overextend this analogy. You don't leave a pile of rubble behind. 
you actually need to close this thing up and do the cleanup work necessary so that you can truly walk away with a solved problem or with a cleaned up mess. It's really important and we're giving such a vivid picture here so that this is, this should be pretty graphic for everyone. And obviously, you know, it's not that violent. It shouldn't be that violent. But we're using that because what you have to know is if you're if you're throwing the grenade, there's going to be there's going to be some shrapnel. I don't know if that's the correct word. Like there's going to be some things that fly around. And so, yes, it's going to help you get there. But if you then ignore the fact that you have to close the loops, you have to come back around. You have to acknowledge all the things that came up in the process. You have to. Are you ready, Laura? I know you've been working on my pillow forever. Keep short accounts. <laughs> so for all the things that ended up coming and rising to the surface in the midst of that, your role is, especially if you were the one that raised the temperature and threw it, you've got to finish the conversation. Don't leave pieces lingering out there on other sides of it. That's so important. And part of being able to do that is not only paying enough attention to the, to the loops that you need to close, but it's also taking the time to reward your team for going to that difficult space. You've got to reward their resilience. And I feel like we say this a lot, Lara, and it's probably because this is an area where I know I struggle because it's, you know, I tend to get in that, let's just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, we did this, let's do the next thing. You've got to celebrate. If you're if you're going to walk through those difficult moments, you have to pause on the other side, reward the resilience and celebrate the win. I really like that. And I think it's so important to actually point it out, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. part of the reward is just the acknowledgement. Rewards don't always mean a fancy dinner or right. gift or another stupid plaque for your office that you will get rid of in three years. Mm -hmm. Rewards sometimes are about straight up acknowledgement. Jim, you did a good job. Yeah. Sally, Thanks for hanging in there and taking the time to do that and make sure that you even say, you know, we wouldn't have gotten through had Bob not been willing to do the hard thing and throw the grenade, right? Yeah. Reinforce that those behaviors are wanted, intended, positive, um, so that your team feels good about what they did and they want to see the process close because one of the worst things you can do is have all this momentum that forces you through to break through and then that momentum dies because you don't reinforce the behavior that got you there. Yes. Yes. So closing those loops is essential to not only walking through it well, but being healthy on the other side and following through with what you figured out. So we're going to come back in core two and we're going to talk about that last piece of, you know, once you've gotten through this mess, you've dealt with the grenade, you've, you've gotten through that tension, you've celebrated the win. What does the recovery look like on the other side of the mess? We cannot skip important, important moments like that. And so come back with us in just for a minute for the big R of recovery. Welcome to Real Talk. Today we're going to talk about someone who knew how to take care of messes both literally and figuratively <laughs> in their career. Um, and he... I was going to make a joke here about vacuums. That's not okay for our podcast, Jen. I'm so sorry. You know what? Don't hit pause. We're going to keep recording here, but I want to make it clear to our listeners that sometimes I do have to self edit 
We're going to talk about vacuum cleaners, Dyson vacuum cleaners, and James Dyson. I think it's an appropriate example when we're talking about messes of someone who knew how to get to the breakthrough. Jen, save me from myself and tell the story. <laughs> I love it. This one becomes fun on so many levels because we're talking about cleaning up a literal mess, but in a in a much bigger way. So, of course, James Dyson, the founder of Dyson Vacuum Cleaners. Laura, I don't own a Dyson. I wish I owned a Dyson. I should own a Dyson because I've spent the amount I would have spent on a Dyson on lesser products. So there's just a little self-confession for you. But back in 1978, which is also the year of Laura's birth, um, 1978, it was a critical, crucial year. James Dyson decided he was really irritated by the fact that every time he used his vacuum cleaner and the bag would start to fill up, the suction would lessen. He was really frustrated with the fact that it was, you know, it wasn't even like it had to be full and it stopped working, but it would get less and less effective the whole way along. And so he started to take it apart. Okay, picture this. Imagine the mess when you take apart, especially an old school, old fashioned vacuum and all that happens when those bags blow up. Most of us have been there at some point or another, um, but he got really tired of that. And so here's the thing. This is a mess that took him five years because he ran into so many walls. There were lots of different points of tension. There were 5,127 prototypes in the making of what we know today to be the Dyson vacuum, which became the first bagless vacuum cleaner that wasn't confronted with that problem of the accumulating dust inhibiting the actual work of the vacuum cleaner. And I could not for the life of me, Lara, explain the dual cyclone and how the cyclonic work breaks up the dust particles, thereby not needing a bag. But thank goodness that James Dyson fought through the mess, dealt with the walls, walked through the tension, and brought a breakthrough that has revolutionized cleaning today. Jen, we're back, and I think it's only fair now that we have pushed through a wall. You've been throwing grenades, so it's a mess <laughs> up in here. I feel like we better take a little bit of time to talk to our listeners about what recovery looks like. We so often talk about getting through the mess and the push to the end and even the reward. Let's talk about what it means to recover after getting through a mess. So the mess has been addressed, but there's cleanup to do, especially if Jen was involved. Um, I'm going to compare it to, and I'm not trying to be excessively dramatic with um, the imagery, but let's compare it to the mess being a fire. And I think we're all probably familiar with like a fire or a flood. There are businesses that actually specialize in coming in and providing restoration after that happens. And what do they do first? They ensure safety is everything where it needs to be to be safe. And then they go about the process of saying, what can we salvage? What do we need to fix? How do we return to a reasonable baseline? And I think that's exactly what we need to do when we've been through a mess, maybe multiple successive messes. Maybe the messes aren't even done, but we need to regroup and recover um, in between messes. So we've been doing sets of three, which is very seminary-esque. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> preachers get taught to teach in three main points. It's true, Jen, laugh all you want. So it's my turn now. I would like to use um, alliteration, I think, even though I'm not a literature teacher. Um, we're going to do the four R's of 
recovering from a mess. Can you handle that, Jen? There's going to be four. I can't. As long as we're using a different skill of people's memory, I'm totally down with you. Totally cool. So the four R's. And the first one is actually recovery itself. We need to recover after the mess. And that means we have to make sure that we have found a time where we can see the job to the end, where we don't leave a sloppy pile of mess, kind of like where we were talking a few minutes ago, right? We need to have that chance to say, don't leave the rubble behind. So we're starting somewhere right where we picked off. You need to allow space for recovery and to make sure that you actually work a plan to fix the mess. So just like we worked a plan to get through the mess, now you need to make sure you also work a plan to fix the mess and allow for recovery. Do not stop at the fixes in place. Make sure you take the time to see this to its end. Because it's easy to live in a world where we just assume it disappears. And I'll, we haven't done this in a while, Laura, so I'll use a TV example. Um, Laura got my family hooked on the Great British Baking Show over Christmas. So we've been working our way through that on Netflix because it's just beautifully mindless and outside of our day-to-day lives. And so what I laugh about, though, every time is you see these bakers making these ginormous messes as they build these incredible creations. And then all of a sudden the timer ends. And the next time you see the kitchens, which is like five seconds later, all of the mess has disappeared, right? Like all the mess has disappeared and all you see is the beautiful final project. And at some point I would love to see the behind the scenes there was cleanup that had to be done (laughs) on the other side of that. It didn't just disappear. And as much as we would all like to think that if we walk out of our offices, that the mess won't be there the next day, it will. For what it's worth for Great British Baking, I just read this past week an article about behind the scenes of that show. And there are two full-time dishwashers that are working (gasps) off camera. See, I know, I, right? I Very that. fascinating. Yeah, there are two people, two sinks that are outside the tent, and they are cleaning up all day as those bakers are working, which I think is a beautiful analogy to carry forward here. It's, this is our episode for terrible and wonderful analogies, all the same. <laughs> um, that I think it's a great thing to think about, though. We have this plan for all the people that are problem solving. Do you have people who are allotted for the recovery and the final fixes? And those people that might have the fresh energy or the skills that are necessary to see this to the end. Do that with intent is the message here. Don't assume finishing. So our number one for post mess is recover. Next up, we're going to (laughs) rest. And I am being serious. Um, Jen doesn't even get to talk about this one because I'm calling you out, girl. It's not your strong suit, sweetheart. I love you. So listen, rest does not mean that everybody goes to the Bahamas for a week. This is neither financially practical nor um, business practical. However, it does mean that you need to consciously think about what kind of rest might be required. Remember one time years ago at a manufacturing facility I was working in, we had a very significant multi-week issue with one of our assets that required, I mean, there were literally people locked in conference rooms doing problem solving with math that I don't understand um, and chemical equations on whiteboards all through the night for weeks and weeks on end. It was a very serious situation. And at the end, 
there had to be conscious choices made about making sure folks got a rest. And a rest can look like a lot of different things. It might be saying on a Friday, we're gonna be done at one o'clock today, guys. Go home, get an early jump on the weekend, take a deep breath, don't think about work. I've given you permission to start the weekend early so that you don't have guilt about it, right? Mm -hmm. It could look like saying, hey, um, let's go do a really easy task or project that allows us the chance to build team and get an easy win that feels good, which can be resting and rejuvenating for the team in and of itself, right? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways that could come. But again, back to intentionality, we were intentional about allowing for recovery. Let's also be intentional about making sure everybody gets rest in the version that is appropriate and necessary for everyone. And I think that point you're making about the version that's appropriate is a really good one because again, a rest can't always be the time off. We have to learn how to rest in the spaces that we're in. And even though I'm not good at this, um, one of the things that years ago I heard from, I think it was Rick Warren that has stuck with me, was he made the point that if you work with your hands, you need to rest with your mind. And if you're working with your mind, then you need to rest with your hands. And think that applies to all of us in various ways. Different messes require different parts of us physically or mentally. And the rest a lot of times means intentionally shifting out of that space into something else. Because sometimes we think the rest can just be, I'm going to go lay on a couch. But think about some time where maybe you laid on the couch and you binge watched three episodes of something and you felt more tired at the end of it than at the beginning of it. And so understanding the kind of rest you need that acknowledges the work that you've done and the part of you that needs to take a break. I like it. I like it very much, Jen. So are you ready for the third R? I am. I am. I like this one. This one's review. So listeners, review. This is my nerdy favorite part. So we've recovered, <laughs> rest, now it's time to review. So this is when our dust has settled, right? The proverbial dust has settled. You need to remember to consciously take time to review what happened, not just what caused the mess. By now, you've probably ad nauseum been through root cause and why you ended up in the mess that you did. But it's also important to review what you learned from the experience. What did you learn about each other? What did you learn about your business? What did you learn about process management? What did we learn? And how can we apply that to other things that are going around? going on around us, right? So being very clear about those learnings and the application of them so that you can avoid future messes or even be preventative about some things that are coming that you now have more insight into. And I also think it's important to review and give each other feedback. How did you handle things? Where could you have done something different? Where did Jen throw a grenade when the team wasn't ready for it? Where did Laura diffuse a grenade when folks were ready to lean in and it became a distraction, right? Give each other feedback. Talk about how the process worked and what you learned. This is a really important thing. And I think the hallmark of a team and a leader that continues to grow and gets better every day and doesn't just say that, but genuinely does it, are the folks that take the time to review and do the post-game analysis. Well, and I think the reason that it's really important to put this on this list is we are tempted to follow a rhythm of orchestrate and evaluate, orchestrate and evaluate when it comes to the... Um, the critical parts or the intentional parts of our operation, right? Like the things you do all the time, you you put through that matrix of orchestrate and evaluate. Where we tend to skip it 
is with the messes. And that's why, you know, we can't finish talking about this series on messes. You know, what were the things that happened that weren't part of your neatly laid strategy or, hey, next we're going to produce this product or whatever. These are the moments that came up, you dealt with them, and because you need the recovery so badly, the temptation is to keep going and it doesn't fit inside your normal matrix of orchestrate and evaluate. This is where it becomes essential to go, let's review here too. You can't just review the high points, right? As a church, it would be really easy to do a review session every year, and we do just on Easter and Christmas, right? Like we review Easter and Christmas right after they happen so that we're ready for the next year. If we only ever evaluate our high points and forget to evaluate and review the messes, we've missed our biggest growth opportunities. I think um, that missing those growth opportunities is something you can't always get back either, right? Like you've shown, you put a light on them right now. You are shining a light on some of those opportunities. And let's also correlate this back to feedback um, and episodes we've done with talking about giving people feedback. The best time to give feedback is in the here and now with specific examples. Don't let the moment pass. Yeah. So I just- I'm ready. Oh, listen to you. rest, review- Hit me. Revisit. All right. Here's okay. what we're going to do in revisit. This is a weird one, right? <laughs> what do you mean revisit? How is revisit different from review? We just can't listen visit up, anyone. Folks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because it's true. So this one is, um, this isn't the review. This isn't the postmortem review. This is a true revisit. It's kind of part of the demaic process or at least a variation of it coming back and making sure what you fixed is working and that it has stayed in place. So this is your sustainability check. Mm -hmm. You're revisiting the issue to make sure that you applied learnings, to make sure fixes remained in place, to make sure that you have a steady state, to see if there's anything else to learn and apply, right? I'm throwing out that list just very quickly to give you a sense of what we're going for. Revisit the situation to learn from it with a fresh set of eyes at the appropriate time. And this could be weeks later, months later, sometimes it's even that year later check-in. Mm -hmm. But the point is that very well established, again, you know, continuous improvement process that's out there, it's underscored in the Demaic process, come back and revisit the situation. And again, I'm gonna say it again, do this intentionally. Put a reminder out there, put it in your date file, give someone the assignment, make sure you come back. You have to put it in the calendar because if it's working, you never think to question it. And so again, I, I think this is a good one, Lauren. And so you're, you're fully allowed and I've accepted point number four because <laughs> if you skip this one, you really have done yourself a disservice because this is just the easiest one to move on because hopefully your cleanup of your mess was so remarkable, it is working flawlessly. But chances are if you don't revisit it, you don't take even the opportunity to go, huh, it's working, why? Maybe we could replicate that somewhere else. I think that's the beauty of it, right? And I love the idea of replication. Jen, that's a fifth R. Oh, ah, see? That we didn't plan for it. Accidental. I can't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, like I'm playing my colors here now, listeners. We didn't plan for it, so we cannot discuss it. <laughs> that had just, just become excessive. All right, Laura, I love these. These are beautiful. Recover, rest, review, revisit. I can remember those. 
I love it. And I think you also have a reading assignment to cap this off. This now feels like an episode of Sesame Street. What else starts with R-E? Forgive us, dear listeners. We're having a good time today. Okay, we do have a reading assignment. Super excited. So next week, Laura and I are going to be wrapping up our conversation on messes by talking about a book by a man named Scott Miller. He's part of the Covey leadership team. And he wrote a book a few years ago called From Management mess to leadership success and he does a beautifully lined out um, checklist style book of these 30 practices that walk us from these places of mess to success and so Laura and I are going to be talking about that next week we love it if any of you want to go ahead pick up a copy check it out this week and we'll be talking about that when we're back together next time All right, everybody. Well, what would memory lane be without us sharing a mess from our own past? And today's memory lane goes so far back that I remember hearing the stories about it, but not the actual event. And so, Laura, this one, much like your dining room a few weeks ago, involves water inside the home, but in a much larger volume. So I, it's crazy to me that you don't remember this, and yet I see why you do. So when we lived in good old Walnut Bottom, Pennsylvania, adorable little sleepy town, um, there was a little creek that ran on the backside of the property with our little neighborhood, and flooding was not an uncommon thing. And we would actually get basement flooding on a, I don't know if I should say regular, but I can remember a couple times in our childhood where we had flooding issues in our basement as well. One time I have this really clear memory, and I think it applies to this entire series on mess, where we had water in the basement. In my mind, as a child, that water was like two and a half feet deep. This is some seriously (laughs) deep water. I'm positive once this episode launches, mom will text us to tell me it was two inches deep. Needless to say, there was definitely a measurable amount of standing water in our basement. And I remember so clearly like all these people from the church, because we were living in a parsonage, church provided housing, for those of you that may not know that word. Um, I remember different members of the church coming with like portable sub pumps and water vacs and all these folks trying to help. Um, But the thing, and this underscores what we just talked about with our post mess situation. The thing that really stands out to me is all these people, all hands on deck, they help get the water out of the basement that was not the end of the story. The rest of the story were the days that followed when mom and dad had to deal with the things that got wet. What do we salvage? What do we keep? You know, all of those kind of after effects and even trying to deal with, you know, cleansing walls so that you didn't get a mold problem. Because Jen, this basement was very important. This is where we roller skated in circles <laughs> on rainy days. This is where we wore trash bags on our bodies California to pretend to be raisins. to be California raisins to sing and dance and make our own plays. None of this I am making up. These are the things that happened in that basement. Um, In addition to mom doing beautiful crafting, and occasionally I think someone even used an iron down there. I don't know why, but these things did happen. So um, I I just, it's a really, really interesting memory to me that relates to what we've been talking about the last few weeks, right? There was a mess, an epic mess, 
people came to help, everybody got together, got through the push of it. And then I remember watching mom and dad have to deal with the reviewing and revisiting to make sure it didn't happen again, et cetera, right? So all funny and certainly capstone by the reality that by virtue of you, you remember it. So clearly you remember years later being able to use that same basement to do our spectacular musical plays with you and I and our neighbors, Sarah and Hannah and our cousins, Jackie and Jody. We did beautiful musical things in that basement so it wasn't always full of water. So there you go. It's a messy, muddy, wet memory lane, but a special one just the same. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope that this mess has made your messes feel a little bit more manageable. And we would love to invite you, encourage you, and even ask you directly to practice one of the four R's with us, and it's review. We would love it so much if you would leave a review for us, for our podcast, anywhere that you listen to us. It helps us so much to continue to stay on track with the content that is the most helpful for you as you continue to live industrious lives that matter. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life.